0: Bethel World Outreach Church, reaching a city to touch the world. We're talking about diversity. But let's begin as we look at the passage we read, and we're going to go through the rest of that chapter. But in the very beginning there, we see the Apostle Paul telling the church in, Galatia, uh, in Ephesians to remember what were they to remember? Remember at one time that you Gentiles, remember that you were separated from Christ. And that's an important thing. How many you know, it's important to recognize your history if you're to appreciate where you currently are and where you're going. I mean, that's a big deal. And here we have Gentiles, and let me define what a Gentile is for those of us who, you know, that, that's a foreign term for us. What is a Gentile? Simply put, a Gentile is anybody who's not a Jew. As long as you are not a descendant of abraham and you you were not a direct descendant then you are a gentile so quick show of hands here how many of you here would be like definition a gentile oh nice then you can relate all right you gentile you better remember something what are we supposed to remember straightforward verse 12 we read it you were at one time you were separated from christ You were separated. Not only that, you were alienated from being a citizen of Israel. Not only that, you were a stranger to the promises God had spoken from time past. Not only that, you were without hope. Not only that, you were without God. If I were to summarize all of these ideas, you can summarize it in one word. If you were a Gentile, you were without. You didn't have it. Somebody did, you didn't. And he was saying, remember this. You got to remember your history, your background, your context. Once upon a time, you didn't have this. It makes the next verse all the more exciting. It says, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near. Once you were separated, but now you are near. But now, aren't you glad that today that message that they heard that changed the then to now? You heard, which is the reason you're in church today. Aren't, don't you realize? Because once upon a time, we were all without, but the message somebody was faithful to bring the message here, and you heard it. And because you heard it, something changed. I was separated, I was an alien, I was a stranger. But now, I've been brought near. And if you're here because you want to be here, when I was a teenager, I was in church because my mom dragged me here. So for two years, I was here because I had to be here. I didn't understand this. I did not understand the but now. But somewhere in there, in the two years, I was just barely sitting in there, just like, why is this service saying so long? Uh, you know, I got to do something else. Somewhere between the then and the two years that I spent barely listening, a penny drop. And something clicked. And I understood the but now. And I was brought near. What a beautiful story. And this is our story. This is all of our stories right? But let me tell you something. Here's an interesting thing. We're talking about diversity. If this is the only thing you get out of this passage, we can actually go home now. That's everybody's story. That's our salvation story. Once upon a time, we were here, but now. What a great story, right? What happens when you say, but now? He says, verse 19, we jump the, towards the end of this chapter and it says now you're no longer a stranger you're no longer an alien you're now a fellow citizen you're now in the household of God the but now brings us to a future then it's like oh I have all of these now when I believed in the what that but now I get this that's amazing how of you have received the but now how have you understand what I mean when you go, but now? You believe that? Great. If that's all you get out of this, you're missing the whole point of this passage. What? Why? Let me tell you something. It uses a word here: an alien. Stranger. And an alien. I never really understood that term. I used to think alien, when I thought alien, I thought E. T. That's what I grew up with. I used to think, man, I wonder why the Bible talks about ET. <laughs> My current status today, because I'm Filipino. Three years ago I moved here. My current status, a few weeks ago, we got what's called the green card. And those of you who don't know what that means, you know what that means. I'm now a permanent alien. That's my official designation now, that's my status, I am now a permanent alien. When I was here for the first time, I had a work visa, that means I can temporarily be here for a period of time. Now that I'm a permanent alien, I can stay here indefinitely. That's cool. But the other side of it is, here's the thing, I have to carry that card everywhere. You know why? Because I'm still not a citizen. There are a lot of things I can do. (laughs) I am being taxed like a citizen. (laughs) But there are a lot of things I can't do because even though I have a better status than when I started, I am still not quite there. All of a sudden, I'm reading this passage and I'm looking at that and I go, Oh, I can relate to the then of this alienated people a whole lot more than I used to understand it. You know, the first time I actually walked, went to the United States with my tourist visa, I was coming for an event. The first time I went to this immigration line, I don't know, just the feeling of, what if they send me back? Because the only thing I had to get through was this piece of paper. And I knew who I was. I knew I wasn't going to do anything wrong but for this just sense of awkwardness of what if they don't like me what if they won't what if they reject me what if what if they find something wrong with my papers and the sense of insecurity of not being something became very real for most of my growing life i was the in crowd i grew up in the philippines i was amongst filipinos every time a foreigner would come by they were the novelty But then, when I moved, all of a sudden, I became the minority. And then all of a sudden, the life of being the local changed, and I became the alien, the stranger, the separated, the one without. Whoa. What? that 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 makes me think of things that makes me feel certain things and makes the idea that now you are no longer an alien and a stranger mean so much more you see when you talk about the idea of diversity and you look at the flags and you know when we were singing those songs i want you to understand this is not a bethel thing diversity in church is god's idea this is god's idea you know it you see it in your Bible. If you read your Bible like I read my Bible, if we're reading the same Bible, then you can't avoid it. In the very beginning, I mean, Genesis, you look at the promise that God made to Abraham, and he said, I'm going to bless you. How many of you like that? I claim that all the time. I will make your name great. Oh, I want that. And then, but, but then he goes, so that you can be a blessing to the nations. Yeah. I guess he had to find a way to end that promise. Huh? That's, like, that's probably what it was. He said, but... You jump to Matthew 28, when Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, the most important words he thinks he needs to say, the last words he's going to say, what does he say? Go and make disciples of all nations. Not just go and make disciples of the people you like. Not just go and make disciples of the people that you can understand. Not just go and make disciples of the people who speak the same language as you. He says, go and make disciples of nations. And I'm going to give you the power to be a witness to all nations. You go to the very end of the book, you go to Revelation, and what you see there is you see a vision of heaven. And when you look at heaven, you kind of get a picture of what we saw earlier. People from every nation, every tribe, every tongue worshiping together. I'll be honest with you. When they were singing earlier, when they sang the Tagalog part, I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) That's my language right there. But then when they sang Nigerian, in Portuguese, I was like, I, I hope those words are right. I have no idea. <laughs> I kind of checked out a little bit because, you know, it's not mine. Which brings us to this idea. I mean, if, if diversity is God's idea and is something the church should really naturally manifest, then can I ask a question? Why do most churches don't look like this? Why do most small groups not look like this? Why do most neighborhoods not look like this? I think it's because diversity is a lot easier said than done. It's like, how would I describe it? It's like my friend who went to visit another country. When he came back, I asked him, how was it? He said something interesting. He said, it's a great place to visit. It's not a great place to live in. That's what diversity is like. You know, a few weeks ago, we had over 80 nations come to Orlando, Florida to be part of what's called the Every Nation World Conference. Bethel is a member church, a founding member church, of the Every Nation Churches and Ministries. It's a global movement that's currently in 80 nations, planting churches and campus ministries around the world. And every three years, we have a big family reunion. Really, leaders from all over the world come and gather. Exciting. The week was amazing. Nobody wanted to leave. But we all had to. We all had to go home. We were all running out of money, (laughs) buying food from the hotel. (laughs) But you know what was interesting is everybody's like, man, this is the best. I'm so glad we did the reunion. Honestly, what would have happened if we all stayed there? 80 nations. What would have happened? Let me illustrate it this practical way. In the Philippines, they consider me to be a fluent English speaker. Uh, English is our language of instruction for education there, so most Filipinos learn English. Um, But even amongst Filipinos, they'd say, Carlos, you're pretty good at it. And I would think that way too, until I got here. Until I had no choice but to only speak in English. And I'd be in a room with my, fr- my friends or, or with the, the team I lead and the people I work with, and I'm trying to say something. And all of a sudden, I immediately realize how limited my vocabulary is. Because there, there are certain things I want to say that I can't quite say, because the word isn't just getting to me. I mean, it's like, I'm just like, it's there. There's a word. I know there's a word that kind of says this. I can say it in Filipino, in my language. I just can't say it in English. And it makes me feel a certain way. If I were to liken it to a mobile um, subscription, I don't have an unlimited data plan. (laughs) At some point, it lags and slows down. And when that happens, you know what happens? Confusion starts to happen. I start doing charades. I start talking with my hands because now my words are failing me. We're all trying to work together. It's just hard. There's a barrier. In this case, it's language. In this case, it's my inability to find the right word. Diversity is easier said than done. Really, I would go so far as to say the reason this is hard, something you cannot see everywhere or all the time is because diversity is honestly impossible apart from God. That's a bold statement. That's a major statement. Some of you are really looking at me like, right no, 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 no. I do it all the time. No, no, no. I don't think... We're using the word diversity differently. Why is it impossible? Let's go to the meaning of the word. What is diversity? Um, Diversity, the root word is diverse, which is showing a great deal of variety. Or another way of saying it's very different. When I start speaking in my language, some of you are going, that's tongues. No, it's my language. I can understand it. Other Filipinos can understand it. but that's okay, it's variety. And you know, if, if you hear it once in a while, it's like, ooh, cool, unique, different. You hear it all the time, you check out. Because I don't get it. Right? It's very different. And when we talk about diversity, we celebrate differences. But what we don't recognize is when we celebrate differences, the very exact push for what is different we unconsciously and probably don't say it out loud. Diverse is very different. Diverse also means not the same. And why is that important? It's important for this. How many of you have ever gone on a date before? Yeah? Gone on a date, first date, blind date, that kind of date. You're strangers. That sense of awkwardness that you have when you're about to meet an alien for the first time. Because <laughs> really, you don't know anything about this person. That versus a foreign, foreign co- Idea or foreign relationship. So you don't have any relationship. So what do you do? You find commonalities. You work hard, you spend money to try to find something that the two of you have in common. Oh, you watch that movie too? I watch that movie too. You like that theme? I love that theme. Right? You love Japanese food? I love Japanese food, you know? If you're desperate, you breathe, I breathe. (sighs) What's happening here? You're trying to relate. You're trying to build bridges. You're looking for where you're common. And at a certain point, you find so many things that you have in common, you go, wow, we're soulmates. (laughs) And then when you have a soulmate, what do you do next? You, You put a ring on it, right? You put a ring on it and you go, all right, commitment marriage. Something happens between the date and the marriage. It's the difference of a vacation and living there. Why? You get me? Am I alone here? All of a sudden, the things you were celebrating, glossy-eyed because you were dating, it's like, oh, we're so common, we're so common, we're so common. Once in a while, something will pop out that's different, and you go, you're unique. Right? How do you do that? I've never done it before. Show me again. Wow. But when you live with what's unique, it's only a matter of time what is unique gets really irritating quickly. All of a sudden, you're like, who presses the toothpaste tube in the middle? Who does that? Don't you see? There's a practical way to do it. What is this? What is different that we celebrate, that we say, hey, as long as we mutually respect each other, right? You got to be woke on that. If you, if you do that, but you live with it, you're going to have to grab onto something much more than just where we're common. Which is why it's impossible, really. You know why it's impossible? Let me tell you why it's impossible. The problem with diversity is right here. It's me. I'll own it. I'm the problem with your diversity. You know why? Because I'm not like you. Honestly, this world would be a lot better place if I was the only one in it. (laughs) Then I can have everything set exactly the way I want. And then I can say, Southern. I don't understand this. How do you spell it? S-O-U-T-H. How do you say it? South. Once you add E-R-N, it's Southern. Who does that? Why do you change the rules on me? When I was in the Philippines, it was only English. Now that I'm here, there's the right way to say English. But I'm only aware of the right way to say English when I'm here, when I'm in the Philippines, it's just English. It's our English. And for some reason, apparently, our English is wrong. Huh? You see, the problem with diversity is me. It's where I start often. It's my starting point. Remember what we read? We said, you were one time separated. You were a one time alien. You were at one time a stranger. I need you to understand this. From the very beginning of time, Genesis, we see Adam and Eve. Picture it. Adam, without Eve, he had his ultimate man cave. He didn't need to dress up to go everywhere. I mean, really, Adam. The moment Eve came into the picture, I mean, it's not good for man to be alone, right? The moment Eve came into the picture, now he had to relate when they fell into sin, what happened? God looked at Adam and said, what did you do? What happened here? What was his response? (laughs) The woman you gave me. It was a double accusation. It was the woman you gave me. I was okay without that. You gave me. But let me say this. Ever since... Eden, every descendant of Adam has been trying to get back into Eden. And that's our starting point. We all feel insecure. In the eternity in our hearts, we all kind of know we're not supposed to be here, we're supposed to be there. We're not supposed to be without, we're supposed to be within. And we strive. It's like a person drowning. How many of you have ever enjoyed swimming beside a person drowning? No one? No one? Why? Because a person drowning will always grab on anything, anything, anyone floating, even the one they love, just to get air again. The problem with diversity is I am insecure. And sometimes, the only way for me to feel secure is to bring you down. But it's not just that. The problem with diversity is my pride. Every time I celebrate something, that's my team! I'm going to meet somebody who goes, that's the worst team ever! Now what? We celebrate basketball! Pacquiao! In the Philippines, we just call him Pacquiao. But his global name is Pacquiao. Because that's how the commentators can pronounce his name. So, but look at what it says here. Verse 12, uh, verse 11, sorry. Look at this. The Gentiles were saying, You, the uncircumcision. There are quotation marks to that. Look at that. Do you notice that? There are quotation marks on there. Who placed the quotation marks? The ones who were the circumcision. The problem with division, with diversity, is every time there is a without, there's somebody who thinks they're within. Exclusive means somebody is excluded. Right? Fill in the blanks. You blank. Called that way by... You see, the uncircumcision had quotation marks because it was a derogatory term. It was a racial slur. It was the way the chosen Israelites referred to the unclean everybody else. The Philippines was under um, Spanish rule for over 300 years. You Filipinos called Indios by the Spaniards. Subjugated in our own country. But even in the Philippines, we have this. There are 7,000 islands in the Philippines. There are around 200 ethno-linguistic groups in the Philippines. Sometimes the pride in that ethnic group is so high, they will call themselves first that group before they'll say they're Filipino. They're local languages. My wife can speak four languages. The language of her local tribe, the language of the region she's in, Filipino, and English. You, blank, called blank by you. What do you call the person different from you. You see, the problem with diversity is we have preferences. Let me just be practical on this one. You see, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, he talks about the dividing wall of hostility. What is that dividing wall? Some people thought it was the actual physical wall. I don't think so. You know what it was? It was the ordinances, it was the rules that made Jews Jews. It was the dietary restrictions that they had to follow if they were to be clean. These were preferences. These same preferences, if you practically think about it, it's like this. What I consider delicious to some people is exotic. One of the delicacies we have in the Philippines got featured in Fear Factor. It was a dare. Try eating this. And when every Filipino looked at that, oh, that's that. That's delicious. (laughs) I would have won that. When I fry fish, to me, it's an aroma like no other. When I fry fish, to some of you, it is an aroma like no other. (laughs) You see, the difference, the problem, Really, what diversities mean. So, Ephesians chapter 2 says this He had to preach peace to those who are far off. Every Gentile in the room, we get that, right? But not just that, peace to those who are near. What does that mean? He had to pre- preach peace to the outsider and to the insider. He had to preach peace to the excluded and to the included. Why? Because any way we cut it, we will always have the diversity problem in our hearts. There's a dividing wall of hostility that rises up in us only because you're not me and I'm not you. You see, there are, when you do counseling, they talk about, there's always two sides of so sorry. No, 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 the great counselors know there are three sides of so sorry. Your side, my side, and the truth. And until we put that third standard up, we will always just be in an argument of he said, she said, my view, your view. So let's play this out. Are you near or are you far? Here's a quick game. Can I have the graphic on the back? You've all done surveys before, right? All right. We're going to do this survey. On this side of the spectrum, we're going to put Jesus. Perfection. On the other side of the spectrum, we're going to put Satan. Now, let's play this game. Adolf Hitler. Where? Here? Here. Here? Do I jump off the stage? Here. Okay. I agree. I think we all agree, right? All right. Mother Teresa. Whoop. Oh, this way. Practically a saint, right? All right, let's get personal on this one, Pastor James Low. Come on, I'm gonna start in the middle. It'll work our way. Come on, where, where, where? Come on. Oh, here? Here? Are you sure? Miss Debbie? <laughs> Not quite there yet, huh? All right. Your boss. <laughs> Look how many people pointed this way. <laughs> your spouse. The men made sure to make sure they were so quick. <laughs> Their, your your wives are watching you. So I see what you're doing. Even further out. <laughs> you. What's happening here? The fact is, we do this to everybody all the time. Whether the category is race, economics, history. We always measure ourselves against each other because we're insecure, because we're proud. Now, here's the thing. If I were here and I meet somebody Who, by my measurement, is there? How do I relate? I look down with envy. uh, I look down with pity. Or I despise. What if I put myself here? Because I don't think highly of myself. Then everybody who I put up for whatever reason. Maybe they're richer than me. Maybe they speak better than me. Over there, how do I relate with them? I worship them. I want to beat them. I envy them. Or I try to pull them down to where I am. And here's the problem with diversity. The problem with diversity is we all have this spectrum. We were right. Adolf Hitler is here. But can I just offend you right now, Pastor James? Can I offend you? The Bible says Pastor James is right here too. The Bible says Mother Teresa is right here too. The Bible says I am right here too. My spouse is right here too. You see, Christianity is the most offensive religion in the world. Every other religion in the world says, try harder, meditate more, read your Bible, pray, give to the poor to get closer. The Bible is the only one, Christianity is the only one that says, you can keep trying, but the scale is way bigger than this. The only way there is perfection. And you are right here no matter how hard you try. That's offensive. I don't know why you clap. It offends me. I want to be good. I want to be better, but I can't. You see, the only way to true unity is through the cross. Why? Two, three things it does. One, I used to think some are better, some are worse. But if we're all here, guess what? We now have one thing in common. Regardless of your background, we all are doomed to hell. We are all sinners in need of saving. All of a sudden, I can look at any of you and go, I have one thing in common with you, and it's the most important one. What did God do? Through the cross, and look at this verse, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, broken down in his flesh, the divining wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of the commandments and express ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. How much of that was you? He did all of it. Why is the cross so offensive? Only God could do it. You can't, I can't. Somewhere in here, all of us are saying, just do it, just try, get better. The Bible says you can't, but in Christ, nothing is impossible. What we see is at the cross. God looked at this spectrum. He saw all of us pulled at the end. And the Bible says, Jesus did not consider being there something to be grasped. He became the ultimate alien to come to this side, to relate with all of us, but still be without sin. And you know what happened? He became sin for us, the Bible says. Isaiah says, when God the Father looked at the Son as sin was placed on Him from all of history by every person of all the world. The Bible says, it pleased God to crush Him. He killed the hostility at the cross. He killed it. This is the reason why you and I can finally have absolute unity. Only through the cross can we be fellow citizens. Because it's not about my preference, my pride, my insecurity. It's about what he has done for you and for me. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us... We pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you.